Welcome to another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast, and I guess we could say the Okanagans as well. I'm here with one of the rising stars on the Canadian triathlon scene, and while Tyler Millischuk from Manitoba was in Montreal and making the podium at the World Triathlon Series sprint distance race that was being held out east last weekend, our next guest was out pulverizing the rest of his age group competition at the Ironman 70.3 event held in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Making his FitSpeak debut is Martin Curran. Martin, welcome to FitSpeak. Thank you. In a word, you are looking very relaxed this afternoon. What was your day comprised of so far? Started at a one-hour track session and a three-hour bike ride in the heat a pretty good intensity and this is three days after a pretty good performance which we'll be talking about that amazing performance in Coeur d'Alene but for the folks who don't know um, about you or a lot about you um, maybe tell us about your past and I take it uh, judging by that accent you didn't pick that up in Squamish where are you from well, that's my French accent from North Vancouver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm actually from born in Montreal. In Montreal. Raised in Rivière du Loup, between Montreal and Gaspé. So it's, uh, it's a little bit far from the cities. And uh, yeah, there's uh, no English speaking there, so we don't speak English very well. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up as a kid, uh, your parents, maybe brothers and sisters, um, what kind of role did you know your household play in you getting involved in sports and being an active kid? Oh, my dad was pretty active. He was a big golfer. Played some tennis, some bowling. Got me to play hockey at four years old. Played some pretty good badminton as well. Badminton? Yeah. Hmm. I played uh, competitively tennis, badminton. Consider myself as the next professional bowler. Bowling? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I played some pretty good hockey, played competition, uh, Bantam BB, and then just quit. I was doing too, too many sports, so it's not my favorite. So growing up as a kid, did you have any pictures of uh, any famous hockey players on your wall? Anybody you uh, looked up to as a kid? Not really. Um, I did some training camps with some NHL players in Quebec City at University Laval. And that's as close I got to those guys. Mm. I never really watched hockey. No. It's not something that I'd never loved watching sports. I do triathlons. I'm surrounded by pros. I don't know who they are. I don't keep up with actuality. Mm -hmm. I'm in my little bubble. And it's just the way I've been since I was a kid. I'm not informed mm. much. <laughs> well, tell us. Um, originally from Quebec, but then you found yourself out here in Western Canada. What was your motivation to move from Quebec over to this part of the country? Well, that's a, a bit of a funny story. Um, when I went to school, I went, I, I'm a French service, a French server by trade. A I what? Went, I went to school in five-star service. Okay, what does that mean? French service. Well, I hand restoration uh, you make. 
you serve basically one table a night and just super fancy with uh, steak flambe and dessert flambe and everything is flambe, cafe, everything is flambe. So you're a hell of a chef uh, for the right person. Well, I can cook, but <laughs> I actually never did it. Huh? I, I never pursued. <laughs> I got my diploma and then I went to work in a pizzeria for a year in Mont Tremblant. And uh, then I went back home for a couple of months during the, the slow season. And while I was home, I decided to go west. And one day I took my car and drove across and that was it. That's that's not the first time we hear about folks from the East, whether it's from Nova Scotia, Ontario, Quebec, well, just headed, you know, put in a few liters of expensive gas out east, pointed west and... Funny fact. Yeah. It cost me $210 of fuel to make it to Vancouver from Quebec back in the days. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what decade would have that been? As what a, were you listening to on the radio as you were driving out 1998. here? 1998. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. It was cassette. Cassette. Not, not the 8-track. No. No. So, uh, what do you listen to? Are you country and western, grunge guy, uh, pop? Like or, the old rock. Yeah. 80s, 90s, yeah. 70s. Mm. A little bit of... Uh, a little bit of commercial music, nothing crazy. Radio's fine by me. Radio's okay. I'm not picky. So, the same iPod for ten years is still the same songs, and I'm <laughs> absolutely sick of it. <laughs> we might have to recharge that iPod of yours. Give you a FitSpeak special. Yeah. So from Quebec down to the West Coast, and what'd you do for money once you once you got here? Oh, it's funny. Busking. I, I was an EI from yeah. my. Um, my job. And then um, I went to do some volunteering for the F French Community Center. And oh. what city was this? In Vancouver. Mm. And uh, I met some people. And the next day, um, well, at that night where I was doing volunteering, there was a guy, he had a place for rent. It was $500 a month in Vancouver. It was great. Yes. I had a dog. I was ah. making it pretty complicated. Mm. So I moved there, and the next day after I moved in, that same guy that lived upstairs, he knocked on the ceiling, and one of his friends asked for some people to work, because he was a musician, he knew everybody. Uh -huh. So that was my first job. I went on a roofing journey. I never looked for a job ever since wow. that job. It just kept coming to me. And, uh, yeah, I worked for those guys five years, then I worked for another contractor five years. So you must have been a pretty quick learner. I mean, one doesn't, yeah. I guess it's, you know, you show up, you have some skill, you're learning on the job. Well, within six months, I was a foreman, which was really hard because I was so young. Everybody hated me because... How young is young? It's 20. 20, that is, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of those guys have been out there swinging hammers. and. Yeah, but my dad was a general contractor, mm -hmm. and I was working with him. So we've, you've learned a little bit. we flipped houses. He yeah. always brought me with him since I was four years old. So you were apprenticing as a contractor, a I trades guy for years. All trades. Yeah. And I didn't even know that huh. until we get on the first job where we're doing a church, roofing and framing and all that stuff, and... 
end up that I'm the one telling the foreman how we're going to tackle it. Jesus. And this is when it started. <laughs> but I didn't know I was that knowledge, but I was. So no formal training, just watching and doing with your dad. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We've renovated houses and we had a, a big commercial building for um, mentally handicapped people. Huh. And we it was a 110-year-old building and we had to make it um, legal with the rules of uh, health and all that. So it's a total ended up being a gut mm. and a review over 12 years uh -huh. so we did it all yeah. and that was a good learning experience uh-huh then you decided to make your own company well then i uh yeah i had two company the first one didn't work so well and then the boss boss was a prick or what no it's <laughs> that, that's a joke <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, I just didn't know enough. Mm. And then I worked for this other guy and I learned more how to run a business and then mm. burnt out multiple times mm. because I was a workaholic, hardcore workaholic. Mm. Work ethic always been really big for me and my dad and, and my family. And I... Uh, I started my business after I quit my job and within a month, it was two years before the Olympics, mm -hmm. I was in Squamish in my new house and I thought I was going to take six months off to rehab my burnout uh -huh. and I ended up having six employees after one month of <laughs> when I started to answer the phone basically because mm -hmm. in Squamish it was very, very busy with the uh, well with the Olympics, the Olympics yeah. mm -hmm. so how did that uh, six month layoff turn out for you back at work after six days or six weeks or turned off that in the first year I went from zero to a hundred I flipped my house totally put a suite in it I probably worked 50 hours a week for my business and 16 hours on the weekend of my house. So that's 66 <laughs> hours a week of construction. So. For a year. Yeah. While I was already mentally very tired. So what kind of shape were you? I mean, you're, you're in amazing shape now, but how does the, you know, run ragged, but oh. working all the time, 66 hour a week, Martin Caron construction guy compared to the 20, 25 hour a week, uh, Martin Caron version 2.0. Oh, I was so strong back then. Now I pick up <laughs> a bundle of shingles and I feel like it's, it's going to win. <laughs> it's so heavy, but I used to throw them up the roof. And people would catch them off a garage roof. Now I have a hard time to lift them. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. I had, a, I had a lot of muscles back then. But it's, I'm, I'm starting to look like a triathlete. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the uh, Scott Molina face chiseled, relaxed, got the blonde <laughs> hair. He's got the, uh, you know, the distinguished lines of a Dave Scott here. Uh, for hours in the sun, but but not in a bad way. So you got into construction in a big way, flipping houses, working crazy hours, making some decent money, I suspect. Uh, it was pretty good. I was mostly a roofer. It's a, it's a pretty easy business to run. 
And yeah, I was pretty much uh, flipping a house every three years and buying another one and renting and flipping. And then I ended up with even more responsibility. Mm. <laughs> Being a, a triple landlord and a business owner. And anyway, triathlon was pretty tough. Well, when I started. well, let's let's make that transition. So you, <laughs> it sounds like you didn't have time to wipe your butt, let alone get into a, a sport that involves as much time and dedication as triathlon. So I was just going to say, how did you make that transition? Where did you hear about this crazy sport called triathlon? Well, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. Um, I had a, a couple of friends in Squamish, uh, Shino and Rob Harris. Uh, they were looking for some people to train and they uh, they took me to Penticton and they said come camping with us we're gonna go watch an Ironman because she wanted to register and back in the days you had to line up on the day of yes to sign to, to register you had to sleep on the sidewalk like many of us did in front of the lake shore and that also included for some years the folks who actually finished the race so they'd finish the race at you know six or eight or nine o'clock yeah have a piece of pizza maybe some time in the hot tub and then grab the sleeping bag line up for the next year and that's just how it was <laughs> they eventually changed it so if you had raced the year previous you kind of you know got cut a break and you could sign up at nine in the morning or something yeah. like that so your friend was there to watch the race and then to sign up in person at the lakeshore the next yeah. day so what happened is uh, we watched the race and where were you where i had were... no idea i was a triathlon to be honest with you where, where were you watching the race like on the bike course on the run course we were staying right by Skaha lake at the campground at the um, tent and trailer park ground where the green fence is. I'm sure you know where it is. Mm -hmm. Right by the fountain there on the lake. Yeah. And uh, so we basically head to the swim start and watch the swim. And then we look at people coming off the bike. And then we drove back to the Husky gas station. Yeah. The Salvation Army. Mm, you remember the Salvation Army? I remember the Husky, yeah. Because this is where people go twice. The crisscross, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we watch it there, and I'm like, it's crazy. <laughs> Don't really know what those guys are doing. It's freaking hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, so I'm just tagging along, and I'm watching all day. And then, then the runners come in, and it gets dark. And we're still watching yeah. right by the campground. We're having dinner and we're watching. And then they say, okay, it's time to go watch the final finish. Yes. It's 11 or 10, 30, 11. What time is it finished? Yeah, 12 o'clock if you do it right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we go there and I'm there watching those last people, 16 and a half, 17 hours. And the music is awesome. The people are on fire. Yeah. The finishers that are absolutely unprepared <laughs> to do this are having the best day of their life. Yeah. And I remember the last guy coming in with three seconds to spare. And we were standing beside the chute and we were tapping on those boards yeah. to the music. And it was just magic. 
And then they played the song uh, Rocky. I have, I have the tiger, of course. And I was like, cry. Oh, really? Oh, I was yeah. like emotional. I was like, this, yeah. this is amazing. <clears throat> I usually only cry at the start of the swim. Oh, yeah. I, wa oh, I, I watch it and it's well, like, you me, know. I cry every time there's a national end. Yeah. I, I have a tear. Hmm. And every race I do. Yeah. It's difficult. I don't know why. Huh. And uh, anyway. Well, you're in good company. I mean, there's myself, Mark Allen, well-known crier at <laughs> watching, not not participating, just when he was waiting for that gun to go off. He knows what it's felt like. And yeah, he's been, uh, so no shame in that. The big oh. three, Martin, Kevin, yeah. Mark Allen. We're, we're cool with uh, we're cool <laughs> with that. So I, I, I have no problem with it. Yeah. I'm emotional, that's fine. I think you feed from that. It's perfect. And uh, yeah, uh, no problem. I don't say anything, but I'm thinking inside, I'm like, well, if those people finish in 17 hours, slightly overweight and definitely not on the athletic path all their life, yeah, I should be able to do it. Should be able to finish with, along with them, right? Yeah, but I'm not thinking about it. But I, I'm thinking, as long as I know I can do it, I don't need to do it. <laughs> but I'm not talking about it, I don't say anything. And... Next morning, of course, I drive back to Squamish. And we don't talk about registering or registration. But your friend had registered. My friend's in the lineup. Yes. She signed me up. No! And then she called me. <laughs> she's like, Martin, you're doing an Ironman next year. Is that even legal? I think it is. Oh, jeez. Well. They did. So I ordered, uh, I think it was 650 bucks back then. Yeah, American. And then I said, well, I guess I should take swimming lessons because I couldn't swim to save my life. At all, no. And I couldn't run I couldn't run 5K without hurting for four days. Hmm. So that was new. I could bike. I bought a road bike a couple of years before that. And I had a mountain bike that I was the wrong size. It was too small. Anyway. It's working progress. And you signed up for Ironman, thanks up to your for friend. Man, never did a triathlon. I don't know what it is. Don't know the rules. Don't know anything. But um, yeah, learn how to swim. How did that happen? Went with the masters ah, in Squamish. In Squamish. Yeah. Good pool. Horrible. Horrible. Super bad ventilation. Oh. I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> the pool but of champions. The, the people were nice. I started in the lane one with the slowest people and I had to take a break every 50 meter because I couldn't relax. I was mm. just fighting the water and I was like basically sprinting because mm. I thought I was going to sink. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, like so many of us, you know, adult onset swimmers, we're, we're fighting to stay alive, so... In, yeah, in Kona for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I made it to my first Ironman, which moved to Whistler. I never made it here. Right. Because it was in 2012. That was and that then, pivotal year. Yeah. So I ended up being 30 minutes from home. Yeah. Even easier. I trained on the course mm -hmm. every day. So that was nice. But um, yeah, my first swim in hour 10 was not bad. Everybody was surprised. They thought I was going to be at least 120. 120 would from be a, what I was doing. A great time, 120, boy. From oh what boy. I was doing in the pool. And, yeah. And in the lake. Big yeah. engine. So, was the Ironman in Whistler your first triathlon ever? No. 
Okay, tell us tell us about that very first race. Did, oh, first did somebody race. sign you up for that as well? No, no. Then those people that we uh, we talked, what they said, well, now you have to practice. <laughs> practice what? Well, you have to do other triathlons. I think I did five before the Ironman. In that same year, of course. No, I did three. Three half Ironman. Three half. <laughs> <laughs> and the first one was in uh, Boulder City, Hoover Dam, uh, Las Vegas area. Uh, the water was freezing. I remember myself panicking right after 100 meters. Uh. Couldn't breathe. Put my head in the water. Couldn't push the air out. I was just panicking. It was like dark and cold, 60 degrees. So the Ironman and Whistlers, uh, actually that very first year, right? They had it in, was it August, right? The, the, the traditional time. Oh, yeah. More time to train. That's right. Yeah. So when you had the swim in Las Vegas and you were panicking within the first 100 meters, now is that your first open water swim of the year? Or is that the, the third f- one of my life. Okay. Because <laughs> I swam in Alice Lake yeah. with my wetsuit that was actually choking me. <laughs> Because I didn't even know how to shop for a wetsuit. So, I don't know. I bought something. Somebody said, oh, this is good. Okay. Yeah. But... Fits you like a straight jacket. Makes you feel claustrophobic. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. This is super tight. So, it has to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't have the shape of a swimmer. So, things were not fitting right. Ah. I had the shape of a gym rat. Mm. Roofer slash... Uh, I do drink a lot of beer. <laughs> so it wasn't so you were uh, above average fit Canadian not proportional to the wetsuit yeah. at all anyway so we're in Las Vegas and uh, we go in the water and I come out of the water I think it was 38 minutes and a bit for 1900 meters and uh, I did the breaststroke the backstroke the side stroke <laughs> the, the whatever surviving and after about half the course i just went like doesn't matter i'm done Mm -hmm. i'm just dying and i started swimming very well right after i gave up yeah so i went in that was probably the best swim of my life (laughs) feeling like after almost dying for 900 meters the rest is a bonus hey so i get into transition and i remember it took me four and a half minutes and we got it on tape oh i still have it and uh four and a half minute i'm sitting on the ground chatting putting my socks on my gloves on yeah Putting a cycling shirt on. Mm-hmm. Which are hard to put on on a wet body. Okay. Or maybe you had time to toggle off. Then I try to put my helmet on. Uh-huh. And I put it on and I clip it. And then I realize my gloves are in it. Uh-huh. So I take Extra it padding, off, yeah. Take it off, put mm-hmm. my gloves on. <laughs> that no finger gloves, they're short fingers. And so anyway, four and a half minutes later, I get out of transition. And then I go on the bike. I slay the bike. Huh. I went from last to 13th overall. Whoa. Yeah. I just did. That must have been tried it. crazy for your ego. It was my strength. Yeah. I just tried it. And, and I that... was super bad bike fit too. Hmm. But I was so happy to be out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah. Then I realized we have to run 21 kilometers. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not just a time trial on the bike. You know. And uh, a learning experience. Yeah. Maybe could have. 
slow down a bit on the bike. So I start running and it starts with about eight kilometers uphill. It's 33 degrees Celsius. And uh, you get to the top, it's like a train track. You go through tunnels and it's a false flat. You go up for basically 10.5 kilometers. Mm. Coming out of the lake into yeah. The, yeah. Coming out, yeah, from uh, the transition there. And then it's downhill. Mm. And I'm coming back. It's 33 degrees and I got goosebumps and I'm cold. Ah. I'm having my first heat stroke. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep running because I know what it is. Well, actually, I had a few working on the roof mm. and uh, I'm just going for it. And then I'm at the end and she knows there. She didn't race because she broke her finger or something. And she's like, you got to catch this guy and you're going to make podium. Huh? Because now I'm like fourth in my age group Ooh. at that stage. And uh, I missed podium by a second point five. Wow. Because I reached him and then he looked at me and he uh -huh. said, oh, you're going to make me work for it. <laughs> and he just took off like I was nothing. Nah, okay. Because he so was, he didn't expect me yeah. to come so yeah, and then I nearly collapsed, and that was my first triathlon. Well, that's how to do it. I mean, yeah. you remember you remember that one quite well. Oh, I worked hard. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, how did your first Ironman experience differ from that one? Was it a more relaxing day? By that time, could you in quotes? Did you know what you were doing? Did the swim go any better? Was there any, you know? I swam super hard. I don't even think I tried to swim that hard anymore because. I don't think it makes sense to hurt so much for mm. that extra minute I'm going to make <laughs> because I'm going to pay for it the rest of the yeah. time. So now I swim nice and relaxed. But yeah, the first Ironman, uh, yeah, I swam an hour 10 and then I went on the bike and again, I slid myself on the bike. Mm -hmm. And then I had to run a marathon. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I was doing really well. Actually, I was feeling really good. But I had a stitch in the diaphragm. I think I had to stop for like five, six minutes. And it just wouldn't go away. I thought I was having a heart attack. So were you walking or you just stopped dead I in your tracks? I couldn't even walk. Couldn't even walk. And okay. all the people I passed on the bike were uh, running by like, Yeah. Dude, what are you doing? You were doing so well. I, I got a huge pain right here. Mm. I can't move. <laughs> So anyway, I start running, and every time I was doing a downhill, it would come back. So I'd oh. slow down on the downhill and try to keep it nice and steady on the flat and up. And I could, I just couldn't run as hard as I wanted, but yeah. it probably paid off because it was naturally pacing myself <laughs> from my learning experience. Of, you need to run more than 35 kilometers a week if you do an Ironman. Oh. <laughs> so you learned that. Uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah. So with the first race and the first Ironman out of the way, um, when did you kind of realize that you were pretty good at this sport? When was the first time you had perhaps like a breakthrough race where things, you know, you didn't have stitches, you didn't panic in the water, just things kind of came together for you and you're, you know, pretty pleased with the result? Well, as a, as a construction worker, I, I was a roofer. Mm. So I'd work five, six days a week in the sun for 10 hours a day. Yeah. Because me, a regular day, it was 10 hours. Hmm. In my mindset, a roofer works 10 hours a day. Because it's in the last two hours that you make the money. 
<laughs> and then um, I just couldn't train hard. It's pretty hard to go running after spending 10 hours in the sun, and it's hard to go biking after. So I was a weekend warrior. Okay. I trained between 7 and 10 hours a week, and that's including a long ride. <laughs> oh, wow. And I would, uh, big weeks, 13 hours. Mm. And I was flirting with the 10 hours on my first Ironman with that. 10.06, 10.03 my first Ironman. Wow. Yeah. And then the second Ironman was 10.06, but the first Ironman at 10.03, I was 110th overall. Mm-hmm. The second Ironman, 10.03, I was a little bit slower, tougher condition. Mm-hmm. I was 54th overall. Okay, so... so half, half the group closer to the leader. Much, yeah. And then the third year, I finished 24th overall. And this is all the time you're as a roofer? Well, I probably planned some vacation from then in the summer because I never took vacation in the summer. Mm. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to take some time off so I can train, I can do this. But I would never taper enough mm. because I was always doing a lot of last minute training, thinking mm. I was going to help. This is the edge. This is what's going to... doesn't do anything. Yeah. And the rest is way better. Mm. And uh, so then I'm like, okay, well, now if I want to keep, I went from 110 to 54 to 25. Now I need to go 12. Mm. So I raced again and I was way better. But I didn't do 12. I think I went the same way faster. I yep. went 940. But I was still 25th. Mm. Stronger feel. Yeah. Men's and, pro field, perhaps. And the year after, it's, it's Ironman Canada every year. Five years in a row. Yeah. And the fifth year, I was semi-retired. I took a bunch of time off. I trained hard. I camped in Whistler in my camper for a month. <laughs> trained on the course, no TV, nothing. Oh, wow. This sounds like a story that Peter Reed told when he went up to the top of the mountain in Hawaii and just isolated himself from everything. Yeah. And I just focused on training and recovery. I didn't go out to town once. Life of a hermit. fun. I was having the best time of my life. Yeah. And uh, I went 909. 909. So almost in, in the eights. Yeah. That's pretty much comparable to uh, 830 in Arizona. Mm, okay. It was like a good performance. And I, I was second overall because there was no pro man that year. Was it Dylan Gleason? Dylan Gleason. Yes, you and Dylan Gleason. Yeah. And and you, well, I mean, the took, it was a pro women's race that year, yeah, right? Yeah. Which you were faster we than. We beat all the women. Yeah. And he, uh, he beat me on the swim quite a bit by... Uh, five or six minutes and on the bike it was probably a minute faster and on the run I was coming back mm. and I was coming back pretty good yeah uh, short the course it's, it's funny to say the course was too short was too short <laughs> <laughs> the marathon was too short well, that, that happens to some people when they're on a roll they wish you know had it been a 30 mile race instead yeah. of just 26.2 but no I mean back then it was pretty good because I was still running only 40 kilometers a week 45. getting good value for your training 
Well, I was starting to understand the importance of intensity. Yeah. Because I never did intensity because I was always too tired to do mm. And I would hurt myself. Well, I mean, that kind of tells us a little bit about your potential. I mean, you know, the as you're starting off in the sport, any training will, will be great. And then as you get faster and faster, you find out that you start to need to tweak your training. Yeah. So what was working for you, you know, in your first two or three or four years works to a point to a, what was it, a 902? Well, there's no point, 909, I think. Okay. But there's no point to do intensity if you don't have enough base. Mm. And I couldn't get enough base in mm. to do intensity because huh. I was not training specific enough. Because I was working too much. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was just difficult. And I was super tired and I was really happy to do my five hour bike ride every weekend. That was, that was my best day. Yeah. The Sunday, five hour bike ride. That's what I was looking f forward to all week. And the rest didn't matter. <laughs> How about the beers after the bike ride? That, the beers? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm known for the poutine. Oh. I'm the king of the poutine. <laughs> Why would I say that you're... They used to say I dope on poutine. Uh, uh, you know what's funny? We do that bike ride and me, I always thought... You need to feed. If you're depleted, doesn't matter. Like, we don't have much time to train. So if we go on a five-hour bike ride, me, I would always stop in Pemberton after two and a half hour yeah. and have lunch. Okay, the full full deal. Yeah. Beer, poutine, burger. Really? Sometimes a Coke. Uh -huh. And I would stop. And people were like, how can you bike after that? Yeah. doesn't bother me at all. Wow. I could eat a burger while I'm riding my bike in Kona. Huh. It doesn't bother me. Wow. Like, it's not a problem. Actually, I had a hot dog in Kona last year. <laughs> I that the famous hot dog, yes. <laughs> uh. When I had my mechanical right. stuff to the bedroom and the aid station had a barbecue going yes. on, and I look at him like, "How many hot dogs do you got? Do you think I could have one?" It's like for sure. <laughs> so anyway, we exchanged phone number. To text me the picture. It was ah. a very very relaxed bike ride last year. Yeah. Oh. As uh, I was dealing with my bike problems. That issue, boy, oh boy. But that was a good learning experience because then I ran my best marathon there mm. after totally trying to do a negative split marathon. Uh -huh. And then I was feeling really well all day and I had my best marathon without even hurting. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that's the way to go. A I'll learning always, experience, I'll right? I start too hard in Kona. Yeah. Too motivated. We want too much. Yeah. Just, yeah. So anyway. It works out. Tag up with Keenley and just slay the red. No, but so so you learned a lot. I mean, and when Simon's had that mechanical issue, you know, with with what his crank his was, crank, broke yeah. The crank, yeah, yeah. Then he came back and had the day's second best uh, run, run split after after you know a mechanical issue on the bike. So yeah, yeah maybe that says something for the rest of us. Uh, well, or maybe we just have another great story to tell on a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> So speaking of uh, racing and training and stuff like that, um, you are now, I guess, officially retired? Yeah. Well, I'm a landlord. Okay. So I'm not retired. I still have to collect the rent. Mm. It's a big job. It, it, 
<laughs> so as as leading the life of a landlord, I, how does your training differ now than when it did back back in the old Squamish days actually, when you were doing 65 hours a week? What I do now, I, uh, I always buy a house every little while and I slowly update it. And then I resell. But it's not like a job. It's like I need to do something because I have a lot of free time. Mm. But I still love working. I like my tools. I like the feeling of accomplishment. Mm. I like to do a nice bathroom, a nice kitchen, a nice landscaping. I like improvement. Mm. I always liked to see improvement and result. And to me, it feels really good when I make things look good. So, is that something you think you inherited from your folks? Or oh, is that for just sure. A, yeah. My dad was a... Yeah. He always had to do something mm. creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how does the training now differ? Oh, I put training first. I, You know what? You got something to do in the house? I can wait for tomorrow. Yeah. I live alone. Mm. I, nobody, it doesn't bother anybody. Like, okay, it's dirty, fine. Yeah. Nobody sees it. Mm. It's fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I keep it pretty good. But the um, <clears throat> yeah, it's always training first. Uh, I try to do a session in the morning. Then I try to rest, recover. If I feel like I have it in me, I'll do a little bit of work on my home. If I don't feel like it, I won't. And then I try to do a good another session in the afternoon. And very often I do a swim, a bike, and a run every day. Sometimes wow. I do it four times a week. Three sports. Wow. Because I do, I make sure I have two very big run workout, two big bike workout, and swim, it's a waste of time for me. Mm. So I, I do my swim as a recovery activity. But I do them yeah. as recovery activity. So when you're swimming, you don't technically live in Penticton, you live up on the hill, um, Yellow Lake Golf Course, right? I Twin mean, Lakes. Twin, yeah. Twin Lakes. So you come down and you swim at the pool here? In or the you... winter, I come to the pool. Yeah. But now I developed an allergy to the chlorine. So I feel sick oh, when no. I swim inside. Huh. So for me, swimming is becoming really complicated. Yeah. So now I go to Oliver. They have a salt pool. Oh, okay. Outside, exterior. Mm. And mm. it's not only because it's the chlorine, it's the fume. So I get... I feel like super sick when I, for two days. When for, I go yeah, it just knocks you out. Yeah, huh. and uh, even allergy pills, it doesn't work. Hmm. So I go to Oliver, salt pool outside, it's nice, spend an hour in the water, and it's good. But hmm. their hours are horrible. Yeah. It's super early morning, and then they got an hour between noon and one. Yeah. And that's it. Uh. So I have to plan it. Yeah. It's not like. Pentington, when you go to the pool, is always lean. Well, Saturday mornings they're not open early enough, and but, oh, uh, you know, yeah. see, I don't go swim early. Uh, how about the lake in Oliver? It's open. There's so much pollen in that. Oh lake. yeah, because because when we swam there back in uh, you know first week in June for the race, it wasn't too too bad, but it's getting a bit more dense and that's pretty good. If it's windy, yeah, it gets blown to the side. Yeah. that's fine. But yeah. when it's calm, it's so much pollen, and I'm the kind of guy that swallows a lot of water, even though I try not to. Uh. 
and uh, I feel super allergic after. Ah, okay. So, so maybe I'm overtraining a bit sometimes. And well, on the edge, you, eh? When you train a lot, mm. your immune system, you feel more of those things like mm. allergies and stuff. Because when I'm, if I don't train at all, and yeah. I hit the pool, I'm totally fine. Really? Yeah, Interesting. I no allergy. Huh. So it's just when... Everything is stressed, right? Yeah. I mean, the immune system and yeah. the rest of you. I was swimming in Mexico this winter, Campeche, chlorine pool, exterior, no bra. Huh. Nothing. It's else. just that ventilation, maybe. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the, the air with mm. the chlorine mm. or the whatever chemical. Could mm. be another chemical. Yeah. So. yeah, not much swimming for Martin mm. anymore. So I was reading on your Facebook page that you said you uh, had some unfinished business at Coeur d'Alene from last year because last year when you had done the race, you made some mistakes. So tell us about those screw-ups from last year and how you uh, fixed them for this year. Well, I didn't know how that rolling start was starting. So Do you like it? This is the best. It's very relaxed. You know you're going to be with people your speed because... You, you self-seed in that window if everybody's honest and so you get good feet and uh but last year i didn't know i was way back oh took a long time to get in ended up way far from people i'm racing with mm. so i have no idea where you need motivation you need to chase somebody yeah and uh and you were catching you weren't chasing i'm always coming from the water a little far and yeah. it's a full day of trying to catch mm. the people ahead. So I did this year totally get it. I know how it works, get my swim, very nice swim, the lake was calm, come out of there, transition, get on the bike, start to work. And uh well long story short. Last year I'll see what I did bad last year first. Um, did you remember to eat? Because I know some of those races in Texas, oh, yeah. you just kind of forgot about that, right? Oh, no. Texas was amazing. No, I mean a couple of years back. In Texas? Wasn't it Texas? No, Texas was oh. the time of my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, last year, I, I started to spend a lot of time trying to get more aero. And my bike is pretty much naked. There's no water, no bottle cage. There's an aero toolbox and a torpedo bottle between my arm. Mm -hmm. It's like there's nothing to create drag except my body on my bike. Yeah. It's, there's nothing. So, but I have to pick up nutrition, not nutrition. I have to pick up uh, hydration on the bike at some point. Yeah. So last year I waited to the last station because i had some all the way and i tried not to mix stuff too much mm. so i finished with water and but i like to get all my electrolytes in first and um i, I went to that feed station it's like on a little downhill portion mm -hmm. about 45k an hour there yeah and i dropped four bottles in one. oh god and i ended up riding the 90k on one bottle one, one bottle and it got hot. Yeah. It got really oh. hot last year. I think it was over 30 degrees Celsius. And then I was thirsty before I get off the bike. And then I started running and I felt very thirsty the entire run. Yeah. 
And I had a good run last year. Yeah. I ran well in Texas, my half marathon. I ran 120 in uh, Galveston and I ran 307 in uh, Ironman, Texas, mm. in the Woodlands. So I had a good run. Yeah. But then I started running. Oh my God. And right away, I'm overheating in like the first 5K. And I'm thirsty and I just can't get enough. And I'm fading and it just keeps getting slower and slower and i ran a one of uh 125 45 uh-huh. but i thought i was gonna run 122 because it's hilly there oh, okay and the bike course is actually really hard so you, you tax your legs you know you're not gonna run as good as a flat course like galveston mm. so <clears throat> this year i made sure that i start filling up my hydration before the last station (laughs) (laughs) and it went very well i had a good bike split actually pushed six watts more than i thought i would which is pretty good represents about 40 seconds on a 90 kilometer 42 minute in watts for me um then started my run and i was on pace right away and it was fine but I, once again, there's big hills and I felt, yeah, I, those 340 watts that goes on for 10, 15 minutes on the bike, mm. you definitely feel it on the run. Yeah. <laughs> After 5K, I faded a little bit. I, I went down about five seconds, but I managed to hold on to that pace without a problem. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. It gave me 121, 30. But I felt like I managed my race way better than last yeah. year. And I felt, I never felt in distress. Like everything was fine. I was not overheating. I was cool. I was ice. Beautiful day. And you, I mean, totally didn't screw up that one. I mean, 416, right? Yeah. You were the fastest, fifth fastest age grouper overall. Yeah. And I mean, you were faster than a lot of the top pro women. And it was a, a a fast race for the women. Yeah, they ran yeah. the 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 winner woman, the two women in front of me. They ran faster than me. Yeah, like good runners. Mm. It was amazing. Yeah, and they also swim five minutes faster than me. So yeah. that's where I lose. That's uh, that last part of the run and in the water, right? Yeah. When yeah. you compare yourself, well, actually, if I would swim normally, like people, twenty eight <laughs> minute or less. Yeah, I would. It would be huge, but I just find that why would I spend that many hours working on 10% of my race, which would take me so much time and so much energy to make two minutes. But if I do use that time and energy and I put it on my run and my bike, I will make five. So working on my swim is a waste of time because it also slows down my recovery. If I do intensity on my swim, then my heart is not rested enough to do intensity the next day on my run. Because mm. me, I have to think about recovering my cardio because this is what this is what I struggle with. Legs are pretty much always good. Mm-hmm. But sometimes my cardio won't recover as fast. So I have to wait for my cardio to recover enough to do more intensity mm. because that's where I get my big fitness. Mm. So I will like, yeah. It's it's like a science. Have you ever... Tr- Here, here's one of my theories. I mean, clearly you've been progressing. I mean, you know, you 
went from fast, uh, you know, person who was holding down a crazy full-time job and then some, right? Doing 60, yeah. 65 hours and getting in amazing times considering that, then you're able to make the transition to a person who has a lot more time. But do you think perhaps, and I'm just planting the seed and you can call me full of beans, do you think perhaps that as fast as you are, um, it's in spite of your training, not because of your training? What um, Have you ever, you know, kind of dedicated yourself to a solid block of swimming for, you know, maybe four months and saw how no, that played out? I, I did, uh, did four weeks at 20,000 meters. And then the chlorine started making me really, really sick. Mm. And I was like, I have to stop doing this because so I'm doing the sports to be healthy and in shape. Yeah. But now I feel sick every day. Yeah. So that's really not fun. Mm. And uh, I had to stop. And I was also, I started to quit. I was starting to feel pain in my shoulders. With that kind of yardage. Yeah, it was too, too quick, too much too quick. But in Mexico this year, I did six weeks I, I probably did in those six weeks at least 30 times 4,000 meter not maybe 25 times I don't know a lot of long swim lots of volume yeah. and trying to get efficient and I was feeling the benefit of it yeah I was definitely having some much faster pace and, but then I started my race in Mexico it was so freaking choppy it's not even like I could swim. It was survival. Yeah. Even the guy that won uh, Wes, he won the race and he said, it's the hardest swim I had in my career. Really? Okay. Yeah. 600 DNF. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was three foot chop every stroke. Oh. Just kept coming to your face, mm. right in your face. I thought I was going backward at some point. Huh. So it doesn't matter how fit you are and how yeah. good of a swimmer. It's more like managing yeah. whatever's happening. And then I went to Oceanside, and then we had to make it through the break. A six-foot-high <laughs> surf. And I remember when they blew the gun, they more they looked more like four feet, uh -huh. five feet. And then when I went through, I think the cycle, I, it were more like eight and ten feet. <laughs> and it took me at least six seven waves to make it through i kept diving under yeah just to get going then move forward yeah. and until you pass the break yeah and then i swam well but i was yeah. still a slow swimmer oh. because i couldn't make it through the break mm. and, and that's that, that no no amount of pool time is going to prepare you for that right no and yeah. then i came back here and i couldn't swim because of the chlorine so i stopped swimming and now I, I start doing my swim. I swam in Oliver. It was pretty horrible. It was four minutes behind the leader right off the start. Uh -huh. But I had a really good bike there. And then I did. Uh, I had a good swim, actually, in Caroline. was 30, 40, which is pretty good because I swam, I swam a little bit longer than the course. Uh, you found a way to add a few bonus I meters. Had the turnaround. It's uh, like a current. And yeah. it went really, really wide. Mm. It was funny how my goggle just brand new goggle fogged oh, up. Oh no! So oh jeez! They fogged. I couldn't even see. Uh. It's good that there was a. I don't even know if I went straight, but there was a guy beside me and I couldn't see, so I just followed him. Yeah. And I'm like, this is my only way out. I yeah. couldn't see nothing. 
So brand new goggles fogging up, yeah. Totally. 2004. Never happened to me. <laughs> the, this was the time where those Aquasphere masks were popular. And <laughs> I picked up a pair for the Iron Man to do in Penticton here. And I, I think they were good for about 50 meters. And then I just, you know, did a few Hail Marys, followed feet. I think there were feet. And an hour and 20 minutes, I was back on shore. But not knowing what had happened, just yeah. that I had landed back on the you shore. Following Ogopogo? Uh, following something. <laughs> probably not a lot slower than I would have went ordinarily. So yeah. um, things are going amazing. You crushed the field in your age group by more than 10 minutes. And I was looking. I mean, you're going to get older someday. Um if you were to put yourself right now in the 45 to 49 age category, you would have been first by 16 minutes. So as an athlete who's winning these big races and still improving, um, are you getting any sponsors? Tell us about those folks and how they support you. Well, I'm part of the uh, Kiwami uh, racing team. So Kiwami. Get, yeah. It's a European company for clothing, and they have really, really cool stuff. They got some nice uh, ultra running shorts that you can put your poles in, and you got pockets, and they're nice and tight, and nothing jiggle your nutrition. It's really cool. And they, they just came out with a new wetsuit that looks fantastic. But basically, there's something to try. They enrolled, I think it's close to 40 athletes across the world. That we had to apply for and uh they gave us some shirt bathing suit try uh tri suit and uh, i really like the tri suit yeah. actually that that's a well i didn't have to get their sponsor i can buy my own tri suit but yeah when i looked at it there was um, a form to apply to be uh ambassador yeah so i'm like well I'll apply. Mm -hmm. And it took me. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't speak much on uh, Facebook. Uh. I speak by my result. It's once a month. Yeah. And that's all I can do. So I'll, I'll, we'll see if they like it enough. Okay. <laughs> well, if they look at your results, they should be liking that. And, oh, yeah, they, yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. But it makes me meet a lot of people, too, from the team. Every time I go to a different city, uh -huh. we find out where they are, and we meet up. And mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And then I got a recarb, uh, biologic, 100% natural gel made of a maple syrup uh, from Montreal. From Quebec. Yep. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a superfood. It's a natural sugar. There's no additive. I think it's the only healthy with absolutely no ingredients that you don't know the name in it. Mm-hmm. That you can get on the market. And um, yeah, I love them. They taste good. So, how many of those guys did you they pop don't... on your bike ride in Coeur d'Alene? Four. Four? Yes, yeah, only four. I brought five, just in case. Yeah. And but I, I was surprisingly riding my, my bike at pretty low heart rate in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, I, I was. It was very efficient that day, so I was like, okay. I was happy with my watts, and I'm like, I'm not burning too many uh, calories right now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll save it for the run. Mm. It worked out. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I do uh, Ironman. I have at least nine, ten. Every, every half hour on the bike. Yeah. Every 20 minutes on the run. If I do an Ironman, I'll have them for the first 21K. 
if I do a half, uh -huh. I'm just going to have the, what they have on the course. Okay. Because I know I'm not going to get sick, so I just grab Coke and Red Bull. But when I train, mm -hmm. today I had four. Four, okay. I had one at the track, three on the bike. Yeah. On the track, I have one every 5K or every 20 minutes. Ah. And I tested it. So you are sugaring up quite a bit. Carbs. <laughs> Carbs is great. I mean, this is what I spike myself with sugar when yeah. I race. Yeah. I got good stomach. I'm going to touch some wood. I, I don't feel in, <laughs> in difficulties too often. Yeah. Um, Kona is more difficult because I swallow a lot of salt water and I have to deal with that. But yeah i i'm a big fan of data i'm an addict yeah i'm uh, always analyze uh my stuff and when i run at the track if i run a 21k tempo <laughs> <laughs> which is faster than my race pace yeah uh i will keep track of my pace 150 heart rate steady and i will find out every 20 minute i have a dip of energy and I take a gel and it comes right back huh. within three minutes. But I'll see my heart rate and my pace going down mm. every 20 minutes. And it just remedy the problem. Yeah, that's, that's So now good. I know that I need 100 calories every 20 minutes huh. and I'm totally fine. Huh. So that's... It's 5K. Yeah. It's simple. That's at 4 minute K. At 4 minutes. Or 340 or 345, whatever. Depending on the day. So with a heart rate of 150, you're able to take that in. You don't get any puke, uh, gag reflex going on. No. The stomach is fine. It's a very liquid gel. Yeah. It's It doesn't freeze if you're a cross-country skier. It doesn't freeze. It's quite nice. <laughs> doesn't get hard. But you, it's like you drink it. So you don't really, you don't really need to rinse it with water either. Ah. It goes in very nicely. Yeah. And uh, when I run, it's one sip, then I put it in my pocket, and I'm totally fine. It's, ah. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. And it has 150 milligrams of sodium, so it's good for heat. Heat racing or training. or Yeah. And they were on the course at Oliver. And they Ol were. Yeah. They're making a big... Uh, they're coming in Vancouver pretty big. They did the... They did some running events in Vancouver. They're entirely with Dynamic Race event right now for the triathlon series. And uh, we have him in Penticton here at the Peach City Runner, Mech, um, Bug Barns. They have him. Uh, what's the other running shop? The running shop here in Peach City Runners. No, and what's the other one? Rays? No, that's that Forerunner. <laughs> that um, anyway, it's 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 in store. You can find it pretty much everywhere. But in store, they're like three dollar each. And if you order them online, and you buy forty eight, mm -hmm. it's free shipping, and they're like two dollar each. Okay, that's a huge. So at difference. two bucks, it's yeah, cheap. yeah, two bucks. That's uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. A lot of my friends are on it. They like it. Yeah. So yeah, that's. My thing, I help those guys out. They help me out. Yeah. But yeah, you know what? Sponsors, mm -hmm. I kind of leave it for the kids. <laughs> they need it. Well, yeah. I mean, you you've had a I mean, you've had a pretty good run financially, and you've been able to. But for a, a an up and comer, it's more because I don't really want the trouble. Yeah. To deal with 
all the publicity. Yeah, I mean, and it is an obligation, you know, with this keeping up with the social media and the photo ops, and so yes, yeah. I'm not that good at it, so so choose wisely and uh, let the race results speak for you. Uh, Tell you've had a lot of success in the sport, but I'm interested in some other stuff. So can you tell us a story about uh, one of your most embarrassing moments in the sport? Like a lot of guys, you know, wind up running running onto the run course out of T2 with their helmets on or silly stuff like that. Oh, there's probably a few. Uh, definitely when head first in the mud in transition at Kerdalen last year no. with my bike. <laughs> Just slipped. Like, it was dirty. And... Uh, <laughs> I ran with my bike gloves on my first triathlon because my hands were so sweaty I couldn't take them off. They were just glued to my hands ah. for at least 5K before I managed to take them off. Um, when did I do? It's not too bad, actually. Yeah, nothing I can think of right now. Okay. So I'm not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> not too bad of a triathlete. So formerly from Squamish, now... Uh in uh, Okanagan, South Okanagan, uh, living up top at Twin Lakes. Um, Tell us about, if you had to narrow it down to one of your favorite riding routes, whether it's there or or maybe back home in Montreal and Quebec, uh, what would be one biking route? If it was your last bike you had to ever do or or wanted to ever do, uh, what would be that one bike ride? One biker from Abbotsford. From Abbotsford. Aha. That's my favorite ride. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. I do that. Mm. Right. Yeah. Why? Why is that your favorite? I I did that three weeks ago. Ah, uh, for some reasons. Yeah. You bike to the bottom of the hill, and when you start getting in that steep part, yeah, legs just want to go hard, <laughs> and then you slay yourself. Yeah. All the way up to artist point, and then you're in huge deficit of calories and hydration. <laughs> and there's and then you gotta come back yeah. and there's always that headwind just holding you back yeah <laughs> all the way to us oh yeah well it's a beautiful ride the view's amazing there's always a bunch of snow up there and yeah it's pretty nice yeah yeah but yeah there's between Glacier and Artist Point there's I mean what I did this year is I just simply you know there was water melting that's yeah. You know, I took my, my potions, mixed it up in the bottle, and I was good. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, what an epic ride. I mean, well, you go you gotta, through... If you don't know if the shop's open on top, you got to make sure you bring enough from the bottom. Yeah. Your bike's heavy. Mm-hmm. But last couple of rides, the uh, restaurant was open on top. Ah, and okay. there's a vending machine, too. Well, I didn't see it this year. At the, spe- uh, at the ski hill? At the yeah. lift? Yeah. Didn't see it this year. I don't know if they've removed it or I was hallucinating that it wasn't there, but yeah. Oh, the most embarrassing moment. Yes. Let's come back to it. Oh, okay. I go on a bike ride with some people from uh, Port Moody. It was Jeff Seeley and Heather. They invited me there. And uh, of course, it's all triathletes. And of course, nobody pays themselves. (laughs) They all go out super hard. I thought only roadies did that. They go out super yeah. hard. But me and Jeff Seeley, we rid 212K the day before. Mm-hmm. We did Cyprus. We did the Triple Crown. Yeah. yeah. And SFU and Belcara. 
Uh, all the big hills. It has 212 gears. It's huge, right? And thunderstorm and all this stuff is crazy. And um, the next day, I'm like, I'm so done. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it to the top. But they're like, oh, it's okay. We have a car support. Uh-huh. Like, oh, car support is for... <laughs> those it's okay you can say it for pussies <laughs> and uh, I'm like what the hell is a car support for it's like 150k and there's a store every 20k all the mm-hmm. way to the bottom and then there's one on top and then you come back down anyway supposed to be 18 degrees on top partially cloudy and and which mountain is this? Mount Baker Baker okay a Baker ride yeah, yeah Baker ride so they all start super hard I can't even draft Mm. Like, I'm that tired. And then, right at the bottom of Baker, oh, actually, 20K from the bottom, I stop and I have three slices of pizza and a Coke because they stop for the bathroom. Ah. And, and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm, like, I'm hungry. I, I had a big day yesterday, and now I'm hungry. I got to replenish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the bottom of the hill, I feel great. And me and... Uh, Another guy, we take off and we blast. We have a blast. We ride hard, but we get to the top. It's seven degrees Celsius and raining. Uh huh. And my feet are frozen. I. And my hands are frozen. No gloves. We got no rainy clothes. Uh-huh. No clothes for rain. And I'm hoping that the bathroom's open so I can warm up where the the hand dryer is. Yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. And it's closed. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm like, I, I have to warm up my feet. I can't go down. So I take my shoes off and I start trying to warm up my feet. And then I start, I'm in hypothermia. Oh, just shaking, just shaking so it. I'm like, can you guys tell the car support to pick me up? <laughs> I'm the first guy in the car support. Uh-huh. And I'm the first guy that says, why do you have car yeah, support? Yeah, yeah, mister. <laughs> well, when we got to the bottom of the hill, there was eight person and eight bikes into a minivan. Uh-huh. Wow. Out of 13. Hmm. It, it, so, anyway. So, that was the most embarrassing moment. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was the, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> the very first. <laughs> so, let's say a ride went very well for you, and uh, you were well-nourished throughout the entire ride. It was a hot day like today. Um, you've had all your healthy stuff, so whether that's the Gatorade or whatever your, your healthy beverage of choice is, what's your favorite post-long bike ride refreshment? I have two or three glasses of orange juice. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, top it up with a banana. Huh. I think this is... Perfect. It's a ton of sugar. Mm-hmm. It's good for replenishing the uh, the muscles. And I don't do much protein myself because huh. I build muscle very easily and I get I gain weight. Huh. And I, it's it's not good. Mm. So I try to have smaller, strong muscles. And yeah. I do carbs. I'm mm. a carb. You're a carb person. guy. Yeah. Huh. And uh, I don't seem to get too fat. so how how much do you weigh now and how much did you weigh because you're a stats guy you probably have been tracking this for a long time but uh let's say the december martin compared to the june martin i guess we're in july now let's keep it that way about eight years ago i was 195 pounds at how tall for our listeners five ten and a half okay and i was a buff guy 
I was a hit a, a gym rat. I was benching a lot, and I was doing a lot of upper body training, and I was roofing, and I was lifting a lot of stuff, and <clears throat> and I had big legs, and uh, anyway, that was clearly a lot of stuff to move around running, and. Uh, and then everybody's like, oh, that's going to come off so quick. You're mm-hmm. going to start training firemen and you're going to become like very different. <laughs> like an Ethiopian, not quite. Well, it took seven years to make it down to 170. Okay, so. Yeah. But the speed came quickly, but the weight kind of gradually. I wasn't fast. I wow. was steady. <laughs> I wouldn't fade. I was, I'm a big diesel. Yeah. Be, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at pacing. Yeah. I know what I do in training is what I'm going to do in racing. And if I have more in the tank, yeah. I'll do it in the last 30 minutes. Yeah. I'll make my time there. Ah. I'll make sure that I'm efficient all day. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I started my triathlon career and I was uh, ambassador for those Buddy by Vi Shake and I was enrolling everybody and it was like another business to be more busy. No. But I was having two shake a day, tons of protein. I was yeah. like, why do I not lose weight? Because nah. I'm like, protein, I'm eating so much protein. And uh, so anyway, I figured out at some point, like, I'll do amino acid and uh, glutamine and other stuff to recover. And I became more efficient. I went quite vegetarian for a while. Yeah? Yeah, less meat. What made you... Now I do meat quite a bit. I what, do a lot of shrimps. And what was the tipping point? What, why did you go off the vegetarian? Because uh, I wanted less protein. <laughs> <laughs> less protein. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's very easy. Like when you spend that much energy in a day, like I'm the person that's going to... I need at least 5,000 calories a day. Whoa. I, if I'm sleeping for 24 hours, I got the test done and all of it. I burn 2,000 calories sleeping. <laughs> I'm a calorie bird. Yeah. Like I got no problems. And uh, then, okay, if I run for an hour, that's uh, it's, it's over 1,000 calories for me. So I'm at 3,000. And then I just bike for three hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another bike for 2,500 calories for three hours at the pace I went today. So mm-hmm. I'm at 5,500 calories. Yeah. And then I walk around. Yeah. And do other things. Uh-huh. So that's 5,000 calories. Yeah. In a good training day. But it's hard to eat 5,000 calories if you're healthy. Yeah. If you go healthy. Yeah. So sometimes I have no choice. Yeah. It's fast food. Wow. I yeah. gotta go for it. Yeah. Just because <laughs> I cannot, my stomach won't take enough healthy food uh-uh. to provide enough calories you're gonna make some of the people who are on weight loss programs here hate you even more you know they just have to start iron man (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's talk a couple of things before we uh, wrap things up so we know you live in by a golf course we know your mom quite a good golfer right she played 78 yesterday wow she's 66 whoa amazing Uh uh-huh so (laughs) Right now, there's another famous Canadian triathlete who likes to fancy himself as a golfer. So you, Sanders, head-to-head. Who wins? Well, if I have If he's healthy. If he's healthy. If I have a chance to beat him, it's definitely on the golf course. Yeah. (laughs) He might beat himself in the... But yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting... (laughs) And uh, I won't end up in the Medic 10 Theater. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. the... uh, (laughs) um, 
Well, uh, yeah, I used to play some good golf. Uh, if I play regularly, once or twice a week, I'd probably keep it under 80. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I played some round at 72, 73 nice. in the past. Mm -hmm. But I'm not playing anymore. Because I don't have five hours to spend. I know it's in just, the sun. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And I, I used to golf at you know a, a better level than I am now. But what do you think would be more difficult for yourself? So running, let's say, uh, challenging time for you, thirty-five minute ten k. Is that well within your? I could run that right now. Yeah. Right now, okay. Let's go. Let's go thirty-two minute ten k. So would it be easier to no. run a 32-minute 10K or would it be easier to shoot a 70? I mean, two different accomplishments, both difficult, but... Uh, they're both into my psychologic barrier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I think I could run a 32-minute 10K easier. Yeah. If I was not cycling, not swimming, mm. and just doing like a 20-week a running focus on a 10K, I might be able to do it. Like today, I did some interval, and I ran 3K at 315, mm. and it wasn't that hard. Ah. But I could not run them all in a row right now. I would yeah. need way more training. Mm. But... I know it's just a speed I got. <laughs> and if there was a huge motivation. Yeah, yeah, that's this. It helps a lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think 70 is pretty hard. Like, need a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I would need a lot of practice because I'm way out of golfing. Uh, final question, Martin. And before we ask you the final question, thank you so much for spending all this time with us. Um, we said we wanted to make it lighthearted and funny. I, I think our listeners are going to have a few chuckles after this. Here comes your last question. Uh, when we haven't prepared you for, uh, it's our traditional Fitspeak end of the interview question. So if you could be an animal other than a human being, what animal would you be? And tell us why. Maybe a dog, because I had a really good dog. Uh huh. And that any dog, specific breed or? It was a chocolate lab. Yeah. And everybody was asking when I had a girlfriend, said, "Do you treat her as good as your dog?" <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> assuming I had a good dog owner, uh, be a dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's Pearl. Mm -hmm. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And they like running. They like swimming. Yeah. They can swim. Yeah. yeah. Better than some they of swim us. better than me. <laughs> I used to grab his tail and he yeah. used to pull me. <laughs> and it was swimming. At the beginning, he swim better than me. Wow. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. So I'm just going to give this a quick look. Uh,